Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Have you ever been in a conversation from which you wanted to be rescued? You know that feeling? <laughs> and I look at Dee Dee across the room as if to say, help me. Maybe it's an aunt or an uncle or, you know, that crazy uncle that you've got at Christmas time that, that you just can't shut up and you get trapped in a corner and he's going on and on about stuff and his breath is bad and everything's bad and, and you're just hoping that somebody sees and somebody will come and take you away from all that. Um, I think that is what our psalm writer had in mind today as he starts out. Let me just back up and just say this is week three of a series we're in called can we talk? It's a, it's a series on the lamenting psalms. We have figured out that there are 150 psalms. About 58 of those are, in some form or another, have lament in them. And I'll get into that in just a few minutes. But uh, today's psalm opens with this kind of a help me mentality. This, hey, notice me. Come rescue me. Come help me. And scholars believe that this psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 10, if you want to turn to that in your Bible, Psalm 10, scholars believe that, that um, David wrote this, this psalm, although, if I'm totally honest with you, I don't think they know that for sure. Um, there's some conjecture about this one, and, and they, they, I think they think David wrote it, but, but they're not as sure about this one as maybe some of the others. Uh, psalm 10, verse 1 starts off, Why, Lord, do you stand far off? In other words, why are you so distant? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Why are you helping me? This is a lament psalm, and as we've talked in this series, to lament is to say, God, this isn't okay. I'm going through this thing. It doesn't make sense. I'm confused. You know, we need to talk. This psalm writer is looking around at what's happening in life, and he's basically saying to himself, I'm not okay with this. I've got some questions about what I see. And God, why do you feel so distant? It feels like when I need help, you're just not there. It feels like, it's almost as if when you see that I'm going to be in trouble, you run the other way. It's like you're hiding from me. Now, we know better than that. We know God's not, <clears throat> God's not hiding from us. I just wonder if you've ever felt that way. I mean, we, we have had ourselves a couple of years, have we not? With viruses and masks and uh, you know, restrictions and, and there's been some violence along the way and there's all kinds of upheaval and it just feels like, you know, God, where are you in all of this? And it's possible that maybe <clears throat> you have whispered a prayer that sounded a little something like this. God, where are you? Why don't you do something about this? Why don't you fix it? It could be for you that it's, it's more of a personal thing. You, you know, you're watching two family members go through a quarrel and it's really bad and, and, and it's not just they're ripping their own relationship apart, but, but the family's having to take sides and you're watching that happen and you know, you're saying, God, why aren't you helping our family? Why don't you step in? Why don't you reconcile this somehow? It might be for you that someone in your family is really sick and you're watching them go through this sickness and your prayers are, you know, God, where are you? Why do you feel so far away? Why don't you do something about this? We can't, we can't lose them. And, and, and these are the questions of lament. And I think that it, you've been there. It's, chances are good. Somebody, a lot of you, some of you, have come in here this morning and you're in a season of lament. 
Listen to these words by a guy named J.D. Walt. This is from a devotional that he wrote. Consider this. A full one-third of the psalms by my count, 58, are songs of lament. It strikes me that we should assume that about one-third of our life is going to be a disappointing mess that is not going to be resolved or lamented. Aren't you glad you woke up and came to church today for me to be so... I'm just, I'm just a little ray of sunshine in your world today. Now, I don't know if I'm completely on board with the author's premise there that because the Psalms are a third lament that our life will be a third lament, but I'm willing to go with it today for the sake of our, of our uh, message. I think it's a little more for some and probably a little less for others. But we're going to have some lament in our life, no question, We are not going to have clear answers. Cliches are not going to help. A hug's not going to do it. There's just some unresolvable messes in life. And and the question is this. If that's true, if if a third of your life is going to be lament and struggle and questioning and all this kind of stuff, the the part where there are no good answers, there are no clear uh, ways out or clear reasons, this is an important question. What are we going to do with that part of our life? That, if it is a third, what are we going to do with it? It's an important question because that one-third of your life can be really disorienting. It can be heartbreaking. It can wreck you. We said last week that, that people lose their faith in space like this. You know, most people, when they leave the faith, it's not because they pursued the truth, It's not because they looked at the resurrection and really investigated it and said, no, I don't believe the resurrection happened because I believe that the the more you pursue the resurrection and hold it up to the light and look at the evidence, if you'll look at it, what you come away with is, no, I think he rose from the dead. I don't think people, most people who leave the faith are researching and coming to some truth conclusion. No, I just think the whole thing's bogus. That's not what's going on. I think what happens is they come into space like this. God, where are you? I feel alone. I'm confused. I have some questions, and you're nowhere to be found. And if you're not going to talk to me, I'm out. And that's where people go, I think. So what are you going to do with that third of your life that just seems like this irresolvable mess? Let's just be clear right out of the gate. Psalm 10 does not give us the answers we would like. The big why. Oh, so that's why. This is happening in my life. Oh, so that's why I got cancer. We don't get that. What Psalm 10 gives us is a path through the pain, through that part of our life that's kind of a mess. And that path that this Psalm gives us is lament. Lament is the way we can walk through those difficult, confusing Uh, frustrating, sad, disappointing spaces in our life and come through on the other side with our mental health and our, our emotional health and our spiritual health intact. And sometimes even come through those things, I think most of the time, come through those things even stronger than when we went in. What I'm going to try to convince you of today is you need this. You need to lament. Because so much of our life is not resolvable, is not good there are difficulties it is void of answers today i want to look at three steps on the path 
of lament. The first one is going to sound familiar because we said this last week as well. Tell God how you feel. God, things are not okay. We need to talk. The psalmist is looking at some things in his life and he's saying, God, I'm not okay with this. I'm not feeling like you're right here with me. I'm feeling pretty isolated. I don't feel like you're paying attention. Psalm 10, verse 4. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. God, there's this guy over here. And he doesn't care anything about you. He doesn't desire you. He doesn't seek you. He doesn't live for you. He doesn't think about you. And so he's got this guy in mind. And that's why this this next verse in verse 5 is so surprising. His ways are always prosperous. God, this guy cares nothing about you, but everything's going great in his world. It's all up and to the right. And God, just in case you missed it, your laws are rejected by him. He sneers at all his enemies. He rejects your laws. He doesn't care anything about you. He doesn't respect you. Everything he does is going great. And God, I've got some questions. Why are you letting this guy get away with the stuff you're letting him get away with? Why are you blessing him right now? You ever ask yourself questions like that? You ever ask God questions like that? She demeans her employees. She talks down to everybody. She makes fun of her superiors behind their back. She makes her assistant cry at least two or three times a week. She's a horrible human being. And she's the one that they promoted? God, why are you blessing her? There's this family in your neighborhood, have a really nice house, great cars. They got more kids than you can count. They they act like they've been raised by wolves. They don't act like they've got any manners or any, you know, just horrible kids. There's a bunch of them. And you see the cars go by, and if the bumper stickers are to be believed, not only are they not people of faith, they're hostile to faith. They don't believe in God. They They think you're a nut. Meanwhile, you attend church regularly, you pray, you read your Bible, you you talk to God, you try to be a good person, you try to serve, you give a little money once in a while. And you've been trying forever to conceive. And it's just not happening. And you, you and your spouse have been praying about it. God, why can't we have a child? And then Lord, what? and she's pregnant again, this girl, this lady up the street's pregnant with, what is this, their sixth, seventh? I've lost count. God, why are you blessing them and not us? And the songwriter, he's just looking around at some of the things that are going on in his life, and he's saying the same thing that we think. We may not always say it out loud. God, I don't get it. This doesn't make sense to me. And if I'm totally honest, I'm frustrated, and I need to tell you how I feel. This is step one in lamenting. And lamenting is so important because so much of our life can just be this irresolvable mess that is really hard to understand. Back to Psalm 10, this guy's looking around and he's seeing people prosper, but that's, it's not just that he's prospering, it's how he's prospering that troubles the psalmist. He calls this guy a wicked man and he says, like a lion, this is verse 9, like a lion in cover, he lies in wait. 
He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. This guy's prospering because he is taking advantage of the helpless and the weak. He's exploiting people. He's taking advantage. He's oppressing people. It's an expression of deep injustice. And I want to go off my notes just for a minute here. This isn't in my notes, but I just I feel compelled to teach you something. We've all felt that. I think that in the world we live in, we feel it more and more. This, this idea of we want justice. We want things to be set right. God, why do they get away with that? You ever watch the news and see somebody that's done something really bad and they don't seem to pay a price for it? You find out they, they're not going to jail or they're not going to pay a price. And, you're, and you think to yourself, I think this all the time. If I did that, I would go to jail, right? Every time you express some feeling of injustice, some, some idea that, God, I see an inequity here, this isn't right, uh, this needs to be made right. Every time you, you experience that, what's going on there is that you need to understand that your heart and your soul knows that perfection is possible through Jesus. It knows that. It knows there is a paradise. It knows there was a Garden of Eden. It knows that there is a just God who can make all those things right. And whenever you complain or you, you think to yourself, why doesn't that get fixed? That's that part of you that you are connecting with that's a God part in you, in your soul, in your heart, that says there is a thing called justice and I want it. It's really you trying to, it's calling out for paradise, calling out for heaven. That's really what that is. And this is what causes the psalmist to write, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? God, if you're seeing what I'm seeing, why aren't you doing anything about it? I think this guy is angry. I think he's frustrated. Well, I've been there, <laughs> haven't you? I've been mad enough to bite nails into over stuff that's happened to me. You, you might be there right now. You, you may have done, it may be all you could have done this morning just to get yourself here. And you plop down in your chair, and you, and this, you wouldn't say this out loud because you're a nice person and you don't want to hurt my feelings. But you'd plop, plop down in your chair and this is what you're thinking. Well, I'm here, Brett. Give it to me. Come on. Right? I bet you ain't got nothing that is going to fix what's going on in me today. In my life, I have had more than one opportunity to be upset at what has happened to me. God, this is an injustice. Why are you letting this happen? This isn't fair. God, you, nobody understands. My motives are being quiet. All this stuff. Why, why are you letting this happen to me? It feels like injustice. And I'm not a huge journaler, but there have been some of those things that I've gone through where I've journaled. <laughs> and I go back and I look at those journal entries and I am angry frustrated i would even use the word bent and in the journal you can just kind of see me talking to god asking questions i'm lamenting maybe you need to lament what'd you go through last week last month last year is it something in your childhood that happened and you never really got over it and you just kind of carried it and walked with it and 
and thought it would get better and it just didn't and you just really you need to go to God and say this happened I'm not okay with it I don't understand it I need to tell you how I feel about it that might be one of the most important things you do all week if it's true that a third of our life is hard to understand confusing painful just this unresolvable mess there's one path through all that and that's lament I talked about this last week. There are some ways that you can try to cope with the pain in your life. People will do all kinds of things to, to cope with the pain in their life. You can try to numb it with sex or porn or pills. You can, you can try to numb it with having a lot of people around you and social settings, you know, and just, you know, I don't want to be alone. I just want people so I can hear them talking to me and I can talk to them. Some people drive weed or, or alcohol or video games. We do all kinds of things to, to numb the pain. You can run from it and pretend it's not real. Or you can have a conversation with God and you can lament that pain. And I think that that is a better pathway through the pain if you can, and, and what will happen is when you come out on the other side, you can keep your faith, keep your emotional self intact, keep your mental health intact. What do you need to lament? Pick up a journal. Go for a walk. Get in your car, turn the radio off, and go for a drive. And lament. Talk to God. Ask Him the questions. Step one in the process, tell God how you feel. And right about now, somebody's sitting there thinking, yeah, Brett, I'm not really sure this is going to work for me. You see, I don't pour my heart out to anybody. I don't do that. I, I, I'm not touchy-feely like that. I don't share my emotions. I don't talk about things like that. I have an observation from my own life that might help you. If you're one of those people that has ever said, yeah, God just doesn't talk to me, right? You talk about God talking to you. just sounds weird. Let me try to explain what, what happens. I have found, this is just my experience, that I hear from God the most when I lament. When I get alone with God and something's happened or I'm observing something and I don't like it and I'm kind of complaining, and God, I don't get that. And I, can we talk about that? Because that's, it's, it's frustrating me. God, I don't, I don't, why do they do that? <laughs> Lost track of how many times. You know, I'm, I'm giving somebody else down the road about how bad they are, and God all of a sudden starts, he's got stuff to say to me. Well, Brett, let's not talk about them. Let's talk about you. Why did you do that? Huh? Well, I was talking about that. I know you're talking about them, but I'm talking about you. What was your motive? Why would you do that, Brett? Was your motive pure in that? Well, probably not. Okay, well, that's a start. But God, they. Whoa, 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 Brett. <laughs> Before we talk about what they've done, are you prepared to forgive them? Forgive them? Yeah. I forgave you. you. What you did to me was way worse than what they did to you. I think, I think you should forgive them. Well, God, I don't want to forgive them. Oh, you think I just wanted to put Jesus on the cross just for fun? Well, no. Okay, yeah, forgiveness isn't fun, Brett. Forgiveness is hard. But it's what spiritually mature people do. It's what people who follow me do. You say you're, you're a Jesus follower, Say you're a pastor. 
I think it's time for you to forgive. I hear from God the most, and God does the most good in my heart when I'm lamenting, when I'm pouring it out, when I'm saying, God, I don't understand this. And God says, let me help you understand. Okay? You, we're, I'm not maybe going to answer every question you've got about everything else going on in the world, but we're going to take a deep dive into you. We're going to do an introspective and maybe figure out some things about that. It's not always pleasant, but if you want God to speak to you, may I suggest lament a little bit and listen. And it's in that listening, and it's when God starts asking those questions that only God asks. And it's when God says the things that, only, you know, people say, Brett, how do I know it's God? Because he's the only one who says those things. He's the only one who says, you should forgive them even though they don't deserve it. Only God says that. That's how you know it's his voice. Because every other voice in your life says, don't forgive them. Hold a grudge. Be hateful. And God's like, no moldable, soft, gentle, kind, patient, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, breath. These are the things that a spirit-filled man or woman are focused on, and you're not focused on those things, and you want everything else to be better. It starts with you. Oh, see, God will speak. God will speak. You're just not always going to like what he has to say. It's actually step two on this pathway. Tell God what you want. Tell God what you want. It's exactly what the psalm writer does in verse 12. Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. That's pretty direct language for God. God, get up, take some action, do something. He's literally telling what God what to do. And it's right about here that somebody's thinking, Brett, I mean, are we allowed to talk to God like that? I mean, that, you're talking to God. He's the creator. We're the created ones. I, I'm not sure we're supposed to boss God around like that. Well, this guy missed the memo because that's exactly what he's doing. Verse 15, break the arm of the wicked man. God, just go break his arm. Now, let me head you off at the pass, okay? Because this is the conversation I don't want to have next week. Yeah, Brett, I heard you say that, and I went out, and I prayed that God would break the arm of my math teacher. <laughs> That's, that politician, I just prayed God would break his arm. I prayed, God, I prayed God would break the arm of my, my mom. No. That guy that cut me off in traffic. Whoa. Let me explain something here. The Hebrew language is, is you know, it, it, it's, it speaks a little differently sometimes. And this is an expression from the Hebrew language that basically means to break the power of the wicked man. That's really what it means. You liked it better when you thought it was break his arm, right? It's break his power. In other words, break his power so he can no longer do those things, so he no longer has the influence or, the, or the, the, the wherewithal or the power to, to oppress people and take advantage and, 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 you know, exploit the weak. Right now, around the world, there is a massive human trafficking problem. Bigger than that, there is a child sexual exploitation problem 
I would say that is the, the largest global problem we have that doesn't get enough attention, isn't talked about enough. And, and the prayer would be, God, I don't, I mean, if I, knew where, if I knew that there was one little boy or little girl that was in some situation where they needed to be rescued, I mean, I'm going in both guns blazing, let's go. Who's with me? We're riding at midnight, right? Like, let's go. I'll go in there and get them. But I don't know anybody like that. I don't know of those situations. And so you start praying, God, I know this stuff's going on. I, I hear about it. I, I'm powerless to do anything about it. God, break the power that these people have. That's a lament. Bring them to justice. Do what you can, Lord, to protect these innocent people, these, these innocent children. Help them. God, break their power. He's telling God what he wants him to do. He goes on, verse 15, the second part. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness that would not otherwise be found out. Make these people accountable God, bring justice to this situation. And again, that's us kind of crying out. That's that, that part of our heart that's like, God, you know, paradise, heaven, where's, where is that? He's telling God what he wants him to do about what he's looking around and seeing in his life. Yeah, Brett, see, I don't, um, I don't want to do that because I don't feel comfortable telling God what to do like that. Well, here's what I would say. Maybe you should be comfortable. Maybe you should get comfortable talking to God like that. I think God expects you. I think God wants you to tell him what you see, what's on your mind, where your heart breaks. Because here's another thing that happens. When you start doing that, sometimes God will say, here's what you can do. Sometimes we know better because we know if we bring it up to God, he's going to give us some work to do. And we, don't wanna, we may not want to do that. I think God expects us to talk to him and be pretty blunt and just lay it out. God, break their power. Here's why I think that. The book of Hebrews was written to the early Jewish believers. They were dispersed across the region, dispersed for a lot of reasons, mainly persecution, but the, the Christians were, they weren't all together and huddled up. They were all over the place. So the Hebrew letter kind of made its way through all these different communities. It, it was a traveling letter. A lot of different people read it. They were all, they were, it was written to the Jewish believers. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, this is what we read. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us boldly enter into God's throne room. The Jewish people had a high priest, someone that went before God on their behalf. Hebrews goes on to tell us that we have a great high priest. His name is Jesus. And I can hear my, my Bible college professor right now. He would come behind that and say, in the order of Melchizedek. <laughs> but we have a great high priest. Jesus went before us and he, he opened the way and he gave us access to the throne room of God. We are God's adopted kids. Come to see yourself like that. It's even better than that. You are a child of the king you got the run of the palace. I saw, I wasn't going to say this, I'll say it. I saw Jeremiah Sutliff in the back hallway in the office suite in between services. Now, normal kids 
We don't let back there. Jeremiah's not a normal kid. He's Tracy's kid, right? Tracy gets to go places the other kids don't get to go. My kids, when they were little, I would come in and I would find them all in my office eating my candy and getting into all my good stuff. They're my kids, so I let them do that. If your kids did that, I'd have gotten mad. Like, what are you doing in my office? But it was my kids, so of course they would do that, right? Do you know the only person who can wake up the king in the middle of the night and ask for a glass of water and not get in trouble? The kids. Anybody else does it, off with their head. Not the child of the king. The king's kids can do whatever, they can say whatever they want to the king. Right? It's, it's, it's the nature of being, that's daddy. That's who God is to us. That's the kind of children we are. We are children of the king. We are invited, expected to boldly enter the throne room of God in the presence of God and tell him what we would like for him to do. We need to do it with respect. No, you know, I'm not suggesting that you be cavalier about it. You need to be respectful, but you need to be willing to tell God. So here's the question. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want God to do in your life? It might be joy. You might, you might say, Brett, it would just be wonderful if we could laugh again. It has been so long. The whole COVID thing, all our joy has been stolen. There's been nothing to celebrate, nothing to be happy about. We just, I, would, I would just love to have some joy. Tell him. Brett, we... I just want the cancer gone. Tell him. I, 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 just want, I just want me and my wife to be able to get along again. It's been so long, we, just, we don't get along anymore. Tell him. Brett, we want a baby. Tell him. What do you want? Because you're invited, I would even say expected, to bring those requests to God. But there's something that I know to be true, and I suspect that you know that it's true also, and that is God doesn't always say yes. Right? We know that. I didn't always say yes as a parent. God doesn't always give us what we want, but I do believe that God always gives us the same way I as a parent, I may not have always said yes to every request, but I said yes to the things that were needs. Daddy, I need a hug. Daddy, I need a drink. Daddy, I'm scared. I need, I need you to stay here with me for a little bit. I, I was all about meeting those needs because I knew those were needs. Hebrews 4, verse 16, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So that we may receive mercy and, gra- and find grace to help us in our time of need. When we as children go to the throne room of grace, we can go with this expectance to find mercy and grace to help us through in our time of need. God wants us to tell him what we desire. So, what do you desire? What do you want? So if a third of our lives is just this confusing frustrating mess, the pathway through that mess is lamenting. Step one, tell God how you feel. Step two, tell him what you want. Step three, I think, is the hardest and the last step. 
Tell God that you trust him. Well, Brett, how do you do that? How do you do that when you really don't trust him? How do you do that when you see all this stuff around and your, your soul gets unsettled and, and you know, you've longed for these things for so long and you're, you're not really convinced he's really watching it? How do I, how do I tell God, I mean, isn't it lying? If I tell him I trust him, is it, is it, is it lying? How do I trust him when it feels distant and when it feels like I'm not getting any of the questions answered that I'm asking? It's a great question. Psalm 10, very much like Psalm 42 last week, does not really resolve. There's a little bit more hope at the end. There's a little hopeful tone at the end of Psalm 10, but it's not like we see the wicked man get arrested and and restitution made to the people for the things that that the wicked man did. Uh, We aren't sure whether or not the psalmist ever saw the, the justice come to pass that he wanted to come to pass. In fact, I would say likely not. And yet the psalm ends on a hopeful note because of God's character and promise. Psalm 10, verse 14. But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. It's like he's reminding himself who God is and what God's like. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. I need to see God for who he is, and I need to remind myself that God knows what's going on. That's what this guy's saying. But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. There's a phrase in there that I I don't know if you caught or not. It's that phrase, he takes it in hand. What's that about? I think it has something to do with he takes the pain. He, he, He takes the grief on himself. It's not just, hey, I see that problem that you're going through over there, and you know, I know you got that thing going on over there. He's saying, he's entering into it. It's as if he's saying, let me help you with that. I'm, I'm with you in this. You're not alone. And maybe you're here today, and that's the thing that you needed to hear more than anything else. The rest of what I said, you could take or leave, but maybe that's what you needed to hear this morning. You came in here, you didn't feel like you had anybody with you, and I'm telling you, you're not alone. That's what God would say to you. Whatever you're walking through, I need you to understand you're not walking through it alone. The psalmist says, why are you distant? Why are you not helping? And then he reminds himself, you are closer than I realized. Because you see and you understand and you take it in hand. How do you trust God in the mess You can trust him because of his character. You can trust him because of his closeness, because of his nearness. In fact, the word, the the, the fact that he would would take it in hand. We touched on this in the first sermon, but we have a perspective that the psalmist did not have. We have the perspective of the rest of Scripture that was written, and we know that God took other action after the psalmist even lived. Jesus came after that. We, 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 We know the whole story. The prophet Isaiah wrote about the coming Messiah. This is what he said. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He took it in hand. The passage goes on. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we were healed. 
He didn't just take our grief and our pain and our suffering, but he took the sin, all the stuff that separated us from God. He took all. The Bible says that Jesus became sin on our behalf. When you think about the fact that Jesus was the perfect lamb without blemish, had never sinned, and then he became sin, Not only does God take away the wound and the grief of the person that's been hurt, but God also takes away the sin of the one who did the wounding. Now maybe you're here this morning and you hear that and you're like, yeah, I've had something really bad happen to me and I'm wounded and I'm grieving and this isn't good and, and I'm kinda, I got some questions. And, and you might draw some solace from what I just said. But here's the other part of that. You may be the one who's done the grieving. You may be the one who's done the wounding, who's caused the suffering. And what I want you to know is God took that in hand as well. He took it in hand. He carried the shame and regret away from you so that you don't have to do that. Do you understand that he also took all of your sin in hand? And he carried it to the cross so that you and I could have peace with God and we could have peace with each other. He took it all in hand. So how is it that we can trust God in the middle of the mess when life doesn't make sense? Well, there are not clear answers. Sometimes it's, you just, there's just not a clear answer. It comes down to the character and the goodness of God, the fact that he would take on himself things that could really wound us, reconciling us with God and each other, because what he accomplished, his death, burial, resurrection on the cross, we have these promises ahead of us, we have the promise of an eternity with God. That's a promise from God. That's what he's going to do in the future. We get a glimpse of this in the psalm as he wraps this up. Verse 16, the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. What he's saying is our God Yahweh is going to be the king forever and ever. And then it says this, the nations will perish from this land. When you see the Jewish mindset, whenever they use the word nations, that, that, was, that word nations, what that means is that's, that's the people who don't think anything about God. That's people who don't follow God. That's people who may, probably don't even believe in God. They, do, they have terrible behavior, destructive patterns of behavior. And what he's saying is God is going to banish evil entirely in the future. Verse 17, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. God is for those who are being hurt. God is for those who are being oppressed, afflicted. And then the last verse of the psalm is this, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike the earth. I need you to hear this. Evil has an expiration date. It's not going to go on forever. It happens here because we live on a cursed planet. I, I can hear Andy Stanley right now in my head. You live on a cursed planet. Every day you go through life, something bad doesn't happen to you, you got away with something. Because you live on a rock that is fraught with problems. This is where the devil is. But one day, God comes back, 
this is all over, we will have that thing that our heart longs for, all the justice, all the stuff made right, no more pain, no more tears, no more cancer, no more death, no more separation, no more, none of that stuff, no, no bad relationships, every wrong held accountable, and never again will there be oppression, exploitation, and injustice. Why can you trust God in the mess? Why can you walk with him through the lament because of his character and his promises? This is the future ahead of us. We, we do not live in the world that we want to live in. Right now we live in a world that is ravaged by sickness and sin and selfishness and cancer and orphans and trafficking and at times it can all be so overwhelming and it can just cause us to say, God, why are you so distant? Where have you gone? Are you even paying attention? Do you even care? The path through that pain is lament. I want to close with one more quote from this J.D. Walt in this devotional he wrote. I am being convinced, I am becoming convinced that depression is so rampant precisely because lament is so repressed. Think about it. Years and years of life's ordinary disappointments, wounds, broken relationships, lost opportunities, sinful mistakes, grievous losses, death, and on we could go. Unlamented, held inside, slowly repressed, and exiled to the Siberian wasteland of our souls. It's enough to permanently alter a person's internal brain chemistry, this is what causes so much depression. Now, I'm not a psychologist, but I, 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 don't, I don't think what he's saying is the reason so many people are depressed is because they're not, they don't lament, but I think he's saying there is a connection. There, there's, you know, they probably should think about lamenting a little more because one, if we believe this guy, one-third of our lives is so difficult to understand. There are no clear answers. It can be disappointing and painful, the only way through it is to lament. We need to lament. So here's your homework this week. Lament something. Lament something. Something you've experienced that you're not okay with. Talk to God about it. Tell him what you want him to do about it. And then, here's the harder part. Express your trust in him. God, I trust you with this. I don't, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it. I got lots of questions around this. I know what I would do. But God, I trust you. I trust you to take, uh, you've got it in hand. I know that. You're seeing what's going on. Because of his character, because of his goodness, because of the promises he has given, lament is a gift that God has given us for those times in our lives when things do not add up. And, and I, this is what I know. I know that some of you walked in here in desperate need of this. I'm done. At the end of the service, when we sing, there's going to be people down here that will be willing to pray with you if you need that. If you need to make a decision for Jesus, you can do that. I, I don't think a lot of you realize that, that prayer is really important here at Cross Lane. While I've been preaching in both services, we've had somebody in a room praying for you, praying for me, praying for our leaders of our country, of our church, of our city, praying for all kinds of different things. Prayer is really important here. And if that's something that you need to, to do, you, these people are here to help you and pray with you. 
the person that walked in here and it's been so heavy for you this morning and, you, and, and, he, and Brett didn't really, you know, it's been so dark. The sermon was so dark. Um, I pray that God gives you what you need. Let's, let's pray together. Father, sometimes things just get heavy so heavy that we're not even sure we can take one more step so heavy that that it just it it just feels so dark and we feel so lost oppressed um, just where are you god and my prayer is that we would start to get honest enough with you to be able to say those kind of things My, my real prayer is that we would understand we are children of the king of the world of the universe of all universes of the firmament you god it's You're the king. And you sent your son to die for us. That should say everything we need to know about whether or not we can trust you. And so, Lord, we've all got questions. We've all got frustrations and things that we would point to in life that don't seem right, that we want you to fix. But, God, right now, I just would like to just do nothing other than bow before your throne and thank you that you loved us enough to send Jesus. We worship you and we honor you and we love you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.